God, that the fire of God will flow through you. From Strongsville, Ohio, the pastor of the Strongsville Christian Church, Pastor Joseph Kalini. I'd like to officially greet everyone and welcome everyone to Strongsville Christian Church. Today's message is the windows of heaven, the windows of heaven. Our choice, our choices determine how much the windows of heaven will be open in our life. Amen. A lot of times in life, we put everything on the Lord and we say that everything in our life is happening to us, both good or bad, based on what God's sovereign will is, which in a, in a way that is true. It's permissible, but that doesn't mean that it is his uh, desire, perfect will in our life. Amen. Every choice that we make, it affects the windows of heaven as to how far they open up in our life. Amen. So our choices determine how much the windows of heaven will be open in our life. Amen. Malachi 3, 9, 10 and 11. The Bible says ye are cursed with a curse for ye have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruits before the time of the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Now this is an Old Testament scripture, and a lot of folks twist this scripture and they say that this is something that is only according to the law, the laws of Moses. But the tithes and the principle of tithes was actually taking place before there was the law, amen? Tithing is a principle that as we give, it will come back. Whatsoever a man soweth, that what he will reap. So it is not a legalistic religious law as much as a principle that if we plant a tomato seed, we will reap a harvest. When I was a young child, I was in first grade in Richmond Heights Elementary School. Thomas, was it Thomas Jefferson? I forget. I think it was, it was Richmond Heights Elementary School. And one of the girls that was standing in front of me in line, I pulled her hair. I was in first grade and I kept pulling her hair. And the principal, he caught me pulling the girl's hair. And he said, Joey, come to my office now. And back then, when you were called to the principal's office, when I was in first grade, back then you heard this. Ooh. Anyone ever heard that before in school? That means you were in for it, right? And it was like a symphony. Ooh. So I went back to the principal's office. His name was Mr. Manley. He had a big paddle with black duct tape on it spray painted red with holes in it and Mr. Manley bless his heart he was trying to teach me the principle about reaping what you're sowing he was trying to explain to me that when you plant something you reap it so if you go around pulling people's hair you're gonna reap 
something, a consequence for doing that. Even today's time, if I'm standing in Walgreens as a grown man and I see a girl with long hair and I start pulling her hair, how many of you know I'm going to reap what I'm sowing? That might be a jail term, amen, because I'm an adult. I'm at the age of accountability. But it's the same way when you go around sowing good, you reap it. Amen. So I want to talk to you today about the windows of heaven. There are certain steps that we can make in our life that affect our life. A lot of times we say, well, there are people that are poor because they were just born in poverty. They were born in struggles. Well, if you really sit down and think about it, I look at a lot of the folks that are extremely poor in my own family. And I look at what was the difference of some of the folks that were rich in my family. And one of the things that I see is that the folks that were poor, they went through three or four divorces. How many of you know there's a saying, it's cheaper to keep her? Amen? Because I know doctors that I work with were highly successful. They did not do drugs. They did not have alcohol problems. They did not rob. They did not steal. They were doctors, but they kept getting divorced. And every time they got divorced, they would lose half of what they had. And before you know it, they were broke down in poverty, just like someone that was working at McDonald's and making the same amount of money. You see, if you have a bunch of children outside of marriage and then you're required to pay child support to 10 different children, well, that's not God cursing you. That is a series of wrong decisions bring you to poverty. If you look on our website, I did an interview with a homeless person. Well, how did this person get homeless? He was going to church, working a job, serving God, and he ended up homeless? No, if you talk to him, he'll tell you that he started making bad decisions and he got involved in drugs. And the drug abuse brought him to a place of homelessness. So a lot of times if you wonder why are you in a certain situation, it's not that God is cursing you. It's that there is a series of poor choices that bring poverty. Now, am I saying that everyone who's struggling financially is a wicked person? No, sometimes hard times happen on all of us. If you look at the story of Job, Job was serving God right? And he ended up losing everything. So we can't necessarily look down on anyone because they're struggling or going through hard times. But if you look at the end of the story of Job, because he kept making the choices to serve God, the Bible says that God gave him a double portion of everything that was lost. So there is a series of choices that we can make as Christians that will open the windows of heaven. And not just financially, but spiritually. As we continue to make the right choices and serve God, the Bible is telling us in this particular instance, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me. Prove me, God is saying. When did that scripture become void and nullified? When did this scripture stop? And the answer is never. That the more we sow into God, the more God will sow into us. Now the Bible also says, for them that suppose godliness is gain, from such withdraw thyself. So it's actually a releasing from the love of money when we sow, right? And a lot of years of my pastoralship, I never preached and I never taught 
about tithes and offerings. And the reason why is because I never wanted to be accused of a pastor that just wanted people's money. Amen. And I pastored for 10 years as a volunteer. I never got paid. And it is actually this month will be the first month that I actually get paid as a pastor. Amen. And that's to the glory of God. Now, how much am I getting paid? It's a very humble amount, amen? <laughs> but I'm, at least it's something. So I want you to know that when you tithe and you offer, that money is now going to me, amen? Not all of the money, but some of it, it's going to me, amen? And, and what happens is when you sow into me, all the ministry that I'm connected with, going to the prisons, going to the nursing homes, doing the street evangelism, now you are connected financially to that. And I'm trusting that God is going to open up the windows of heaven for all of you. Amen. That God is going to bless you. Amen. But again, we cannot tithe and expect that tithing replaces obedience to God. Tithing does not replace repentance you cannot buy or earn your way into heaven you in fact the there were people that thought that they can buy the holy ghost and they dropped dead immediately there were other folks that that they held back their money and they tried to pretend like they were given it and so there is a balance to god amen but for most of my life i was struggling really really struggling financially and I blame my parents. I blame my grandparents. I blame the economy. I blamed everyone. It was everyone's fault as to why I was struggling except for mine. And then when I got born again, what happened is as I got born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, I started walking. I started aligning my life up with the word of God. And so everything I did, one step with the word of God, one step of obedience, and I saw the window of heaven open up. Because I'm going to tell you, before I was a Christian, everybody said that I was cursed. My life was heinous. I was struggling. People would come and they would look at my life and they would say, you have bad luck because the problems that would happen they were not normal right my car got stolen three times drunk people took garbage cans and threw the metal garbage can on the window shield of my car someone's jealous ex took a knife and wrote curse words on the hood of my car these were different events that had nothing to do with me I did not trigger those things, but it was my lifestyle that I was living that I was not honoring God in any area of my life. I wasn't walking in the word of God. And people that are not born again, they're under a curse. They're under a curse. You could call it bad luck. You could call it, it is the blood of Jesus that breaks that curse. Amen. But along with salvation and receiving the Holy Spirit, then God has entrusted our finances to us to release them to advance God's kingdom. And so there are a lot of people that preach and teach this and they know it, but they don't practice it. The more they make, the less they give. And I'm going to tell you that it, the Bible saying that it is robbery. 
It is robbery to expect God to bless you more when you're unfaithful with more. It is robbery. How many have ever given someone something and after you gave it to them, they took it and they misused it, they abused it, and they didn't manage it properly, they lost it, they broke it, they gave it away. And then how many feel compelled to give them more after that? Or are you a little hesitant next time? Well, I already gave them this thing, but they broke it the next day. How many are like, yeah, let's just give them more? You see, it's the same way with God. It's not that you're not saved. It's not that you don't have the Holy Spirit. But I learned that as you are faithful with little, God said, I'll make you a ruler of much. And I've learned this in my own life. And I got to tell you that when God opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing that you can't receive, what that means is that God, when the windows of heaven are open up in your life, that means that you will see God's hand moving in your life. And not only will you see it, but everyone else around you will see the hand of God in your life. They will say, why is this person so lucky? Why are they so fortunate? And it's not luck. It's actually obedience into the word of God. And I got to tell you, when the windows of heaven are open up on your life, it is awesome. It is awesome. And when God opens up the windows of heaven on your life, what will actually happen is he will actually fast track you. He will put you ahead for his glory. And so that's why as Christians, we cannot tithe or give to God according to our logic, according to our feelings, according to our finances. We either believe it or we don't. And I chose to trust God at his word. And here's the crazy thing, is that God is saying that he wants us to give 10%. And then if you want to say that, well, that's under the law, not under grace, well, here's my challenge to you. Does grace give more or less than 10%? What's your definition of grace? 3%, one per, uh, half a cent, half a percent? Does grace give more? Has God in his grace given you more or less? Amen. And I believe that by God's grace, he gives us more. And our challenges, our faith is this, is that in a time and the day that we live in now where gas prices are through the roof, that the economy is failing, that everything is going wrong, that it requires more faith. And I believe that if we give when it requires more faith, then there is a greater reward and the windows of heaven will open up that much more. The windows of heaven are not restricted by economy. It's not a restri restricted by politicians. It's not restricted by gas prices. The windows of heaven, when they're open upon you, God will take two fish and five loaves and feed the multitude out of your limited of resources, and he'll do what you could not do. And the challenge of faith to the children of God is this, that can you trust God with the 10%, trusting that he will give you more in return? Because I got to tell you, the blessing and favor of God is amazing. 
Some of you know me. Some of you have no idea who I am. But if I could tell you that it is a miracle for me to be standing in front of you today. Some of you don't know me. You don't know that I was an atheist. You don't know that I grew up in an alcoholic home with atheists. And here I am as a Pentecostal pastor preaching the gospel. Some of you don't know that I was homeless. I was homeless, and I wasn't a rich homeless people. Well, you were homeless, but you had millions in the bank. No, I was homeless. I was a poor homeless person with nothing not long ago. In 2005, to some of you youngsters, that was 100 years, you know, millions of years ago, but some of you that are mature, 2005 was not that long ago. 2005, I was homeless. But even in my homeless state, I never budged on my tithes and offerings to the house of God. Even before I was a pastor, I never budged. I never budged. I gave to God. I looked at, here's the thing. God asked of 10%. Well, the whole 100% is not mine. It's all his anyways. So you want 10% of what's already yours. Easy peasy. Next you see, and then for some folks, it's a matter of faith. They really trust God in all their areas, but in their financial area, they don't trust God. If that's you, I'm okay with that. I care, most importantly, for your soul. I'm not here for your money. I'm not here for your finances. I'm here to point you to Jesus Christ so that when you die, heaven will be your home. Now, after that, we have that established. After that's established, after that, I want to see the windows of heaven opened up and poured upon you. Amen? I want to see that as well. I want, I want to see you blessed in every area of your life. I want to see you blessed to be a blessing to other people. That everywhere you go, you're known as a child of God who will help other people. Amen? And you know what? I, let me tell you my heart. As the pastor of Strongsville Christian Church, my heart is this, that if you come here and you're rich and you're successful, you don't have to make excuses for your success. You don't have to feel ashamed of your riches that you worked hard for. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel ashamed. You're welcome, and I will treat you with love. If you come here and you're homeless, you're welcomed as well. You're welcomed with love and respect. I don't care if you're rich or homeless. You are equally welcome here. I'm not going to look up or you or down on you. Why? Because I've been on both sides. I've been poor and homeless, and I've experienced riches and wealth. Amen. How much riches and wealth? None of your business. But I promise you, I experienced both, and therefore I know that people that are rich, they need Jesus. People that are poor, they need Jesus. People that are prospering, they need Jesus. People that are homeless, they need Jesus. I learned that we all need Jesus. I never for the life of me could understand why did God send us to Strongsville. I've been looking for a church for 10 years, and I asked God to give me a church in Parma. I didn't want to go to East Cleveland, and I told my realtor I don't want to go to Strongsville. I literally came out of my mouth. I don't want to go to Strongville. Not that for any other reason. I just felt somewhere in the middle ground where we could go to church and not get robbed. (laughs) 
is not asking for too much. <laughs> Especially if you know how our church started. Brother Chuck, can you turn the AC on? Is anyone uh, dying of heat over here? <laughs> oh, man, Sister Jean, she's turning red like me. <laughs> All right, let's turn the AC on just a little bit, folks. Amen. I'm going to move on. I think I exercised that point enough. Okay, the same window of heaven used to bless God's people will be used to judge the world. Amen. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that there is judgment coming for the world to those that are not born again. There is a judgment that is coming, which is why you see so many doomsday preppers, because even the unbelieving atheists that don't even believe in the Bible, they're doomsday preppers because they know something's going to give. A meteor's going to strike the planet. Uh, a dollar's going to collapse. There's going to be an EMP. Even the world knows something. Something is going to happen. And I'm going to tell you what it is. It is the consciousness of man to know that when there is innocent blood being shed, there is consequences. And we live in a world where innocent blood is being shed on a macro scale. There are wars, rumors of wars. There's abortion. There's murdering of babies. There's blood being shed in uh, Detroit and Chicago and East Cleveland. There are murders every single day. You cannot sow something without reaping something into return. There is going to come a purification process by the hand of God, and it's going to be released from the windows of heaven. It is not designed for the children of God, which is why it is urgent that as children of God that we spread the gospel to as many want to hear that have an ear. Amen? In Genesis 8.11... It says, and the 600th year of Noah's life, and the second month on the 17th day of the month, and that the day of all the foundations of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heavens were opened up, and rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, we who read the Bible understand that the 40 days and 40 nights is symbolic for a testing period, right? Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. The children of Israel wandered for 40 years. See, this 40 is symbolic for a testing period. Now, the windows of heaven that were opened up that release the rain, I take the Bible literally as much as possible, right? So when it says the windows of heaven were opened up and it dropped the rain, there are different definitions of heaven. That's where Paul said, I was taken up into the third heaven. You have the natural heaven, which would be described as the clouds, okay? The clouds, and then you have the second heaven, which would be like the atmosphere or the skies or the stars. Then you have the third heaven, which would be into the kingdom of God. Okay, so when it says the heavens were opened up, it's talking about the clouds released judgment, which was the rain, the first heaven. But in a symbolic way, even though I take that literal, even in the literal explanation of the word there is also symbolism based upon that that we could use for spiritual application 
In the same way that the windows of heaven release the rain, there is going to come a time, the Bible calls it the tribulation, where the wrath of God is going to be released. But before that, the children of God are going to be caught up, the Bible calls it. And Acts, excuse me, I don't know where I got Acts from. In Genesis 8, 6, it says, the end of the 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth the raven and went to and fro until the waters dried up from the earth. And then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot and she returned to him to the ark for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. And so he put his hand and took her and brought her into the ark. And he waited another seven years, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth, and that he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. When Noah opened up the window of ark, it is symbolic for God opening up the window of heaven. He sent Jesus Christ down on the earth to die for our sins. And after he got baptized, the Bible says that when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, it says that the windows opened up and the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus like a dove. And then Jesus returned back to heaven and he said, it's a must that I must go away from you because if not, I cannot send you the comforter. And as Jesus Christ died on the cross, he sent back the Holy Spirit to be received from the church. The olive branch is symbolic for the children of Israel, which the children of God, the Gentiles, were engrafted into the body of Christ through Jesus Christ. And so you could see these literal events that took place that have symbolic revelation. Amen? In Genesis 8.10, it says, He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark, and he returned back no more. I'm going to skip that because we already read that. When the windows of heaven open to us, we become oracles of God for his glory. Amen? When the windows of heaven are opened up to us, we receive the Holy Spirit. But why do we receive the Holy Spirit? So that God can speak through us. If you look at the definition of a pastor in Revelation, it calls the pastors the angels of the church. That is not a spiritual angel or an angelic heavenly host, but is simply by definition a messenger of God. So whether it is a bishop, a pastor, a pope, not a pope, excuse me, there's no hope in the pope, but a pastor, a preacher, a prophet, a teacher, these things are oracles of God that they are to relay a message that Jesus came to set the captives free. 
And Matthew 3.16, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And Acts 7.55, it says, But he, full of the Holy Ghost, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God, but they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. They cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of the young man, named Saul. So here you have an illustration of Stephen, a young man, a young person of God. And I want to emphasize that he was a young man. It is traditional in society that wisdom comes from age, that the older you are, the wiser you are. But I found out from personal experience that that's not always the truth, that sometimes the older folks get, the more foolish they get. I was in a nursing home doing a nursing home church service, and this 90-year-old lady wheeled in the wheelchair and wanted to talk to me in private. I said, sure, no problem. And she started telling me about how she was going to divorce her husband in the nursing home. You would think that they're both in the nursing home. They would manage a way to share their green jello and work things out. And so it is not a given that the older folks get the wiser they are, nor the younger they are, the wiser they are. But rather, when the windows of heaven are opened up to that each individual, that wisdom comes from walking with God. Wisdom comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Wisdom comes from obedience to the word of God. Wisdom comes from revelation from the Holy Spirit. Wisdom comes from repenting of your sins and forgiving one another and loving one another another and receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And let the church say. In Acts 7, 59, it says, And they, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So my point was that when the windows of heaven are opened up to us, we become oracles of God, right? And so here you see Stephen literally getting stoned to death. You see Stephen being attacked. You see Stephen getting ready to leave this earth. And as he was getting ready to leave this earth, the last thing that he said before he left the earth is, Lord, he was concerned about the souls of those that were murdering him. That's not logical. That's not 
reasonable even, to care about your murderers, the people who are actually taking your life, and to be concerned about their souls. You see, this is evidence that the kingdom of heaven was opened up to us as that we have a loving heart, a forgiving heart, and a heart with the goal to know that the soul is valuable. Even the souls that are harassing you, even the souls that are attacking you, even the souls that have hurt you and wounded you, his last thing that he said was, Father, lay not this sin against them. You see, the heart of a child of God is to care for the souls. And when we forgive those who hurt us, we become an oracle of God. Jesus Christ, as he died on the cross, the Bible says he was tempted at all points, yet without sin. When he took upon a curse of the cross, the last thing that Jesus said was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when the windows of heaven are opened up to us, we become free from all the hurt and the wounds, all the lashes of people talking about us, all the lashes of people disappointing us, all the lashes of being used and taken advantage of and disrespected. We become free from those lashes through forgiveness. And I got to tell you that this is what God desires and requires for salvation is that if we do not forgive other people, the Bible says that your heavenly father will not forgive you. So in order for salvation, we must according to God's word, forgive everyone and anyone. And I'm not saying that this is an easy-peasy package. I'm telling you that when the windows of heaven are opened up to you, when the grace of God is opened up to you, when the mercy and love of God shines upon your life, you will forgive a lot easier when the help of the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You will start stop caring about your pride. You will stop caring about your reputation. You will stop Stop caring about these worldly things and you will humble yourself and forgiveness will flow through your belly as God is forgiving you. You will start to enjoy life the way that God created you, that you were created in the image of God, which is through forgiveness and love and peace and joy. And you will start to appreciate the little things in life. You will start to enjoy the smallest things to the biggest things because you are now a healed walking, loving oracle of God because the windows of heaven have been opened up to you. There is no way that I should be here. There's no logic. I grew up in an atheist home. I was pre-programmed from a little child that God was not real. I spent half of my life making fun of people who believed in God. And then in spite of all those things, God opened up the windows of heaven to me. I said, God, if you're real, you help me right now and I'll serve you the rest of my life. I tried God. I tested God. I asked God, if you're real, you make yourself known to me. If you are who you say you are, you prove it to me. And God opened up the windows of heaven. He let his presence come upon me. He let his presence come through me. I repented of my sins. I accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and my Savior of my life. 
And I got to tell you that my life has not been the same. You could put me in a large field with grass and nothing else, and I'll be enjoying life. You could put me in a prison cell, and I'll be enjoying life. You could put me at the bottom of the ocean, and I'll be enjoying life. You could put me at the top of the mountain, and I'll be enjoying life. Paul said, I've learned to abound in all things. Whether in the valley, whether in the top, rich or poor, I've learned to abound. And I got to tell you, when the windows of heaven are opened up to you, you'll never be the same in Jesus' name. The Word of God. And this is my last point, folks, for some of you who are ready to run up out of here. the Word of God, this Holy Bible. This Holy Bible works regardless of what you feel, regardless of your past experience, your present situation, where your faith is, where your belief is, what's happened to you in your life. This Word of God, the Bible says that it will not return back void. The Bible says the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. This word of God, if you apply it to your life, you will see miracles, signs and wonders take place. And the windows of heaven, in order for them to be opened up, it's not mystical, it's not magical, it's not by chance, it's not luck, it's not religion. It's not rituals. It's not by denominations. It's not even by this building. It's not by me. It's not by you. Not by might nor power. It's by the spirit of the living God. The word of God is a window of heaven open to prepare us for eternity to Jesus. It is my intentions to encourage every single one of you to dive in the word of God. Dive in the Word of God. Read the Bible daily. Now, I didn't say you have to quit your job. I didn't say you have to disconnect all acquaintances to all people. I'm just saying find a scripture in the Bible, one passage, one verse, and read it and say, Lord, Open up the windows of heaven to me. Show me what you want me to know. Show me what you want to do. When the windows of heaven are opened up to you, you will hear God's voice. You will hear the direction that God has for you. You will hear the purpose of why God put you on this planet. Every single one of you, you have a purpose, a divine appointment by God. He has a reason for you being here. You're not here by luck, by chance. He has a purpose for every one of you. And that purpose is to know your maker, know your creator. Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Come into contact with his love, with his redemption, with his grace, his mercy, and forgiveness. Because if you can do that, you will not ever know the wrath of God. You will never know the judgment of God. You will never know the other side of God that's reserved for those who continually reject him. 
you will never know that part of God. That part of God was not intended for you. If it was, the Bible says that he did not send Jesus to come into this world to condemn the world. He sent him to die for the world. Some would say the word of God is a window of heaven. In order to go through the window, you have to open it up. Amen. Huh? By a show of Bibles, but raise your, do you have a Bible with you? Raise your hand. Show your Bible if you got a Bible. How many brought a Bible? Amen. Praise God. Now, I know we spoil you good folks with these uh, projectors back here, but I encourage you, if you got a Bible, sling it. Let the devil know that you're not ashamed of the Bible. You don't necessarily have to be as obnoxious as I am with this big, large print King James Version Bible. But I encourage you to bring a Bible. There are countries in this earth that are not allowed to have the Bible. And we have been blessed with the nation. Bring the Bible with you to church, amen. Open it up every day when you wake up. Just give God a few seconds of your morning. Before you go to work, go into the Word, pray. And for some of you who are new, I'm going to tell you what happens. When you start going to God and you, you see the window of heaven, it starts opening up to you. You might go under attack. And you might even connect that attack to you coming to this church right here. And you might connect that the more you come to this church, the more you come to attack. And I want to tell you, it's not the church. <laughs> it's that you're getting closer to God. And it didn't matter if you went to another church. As long as you get closer to God, the enemy is going to hit you more. But I want to tell you that no matter what he hits you with, to pierce through in your walk with God. Keep serving God. The Bible says in Revelation 19.11, it says, Then I saw the heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judge and makes war. His eyes are like flames of fire, and on his head are many dadiums, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is cloth in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on the white horse. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, which striketh down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress with the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and his thigh, he has the name written, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this is the illustration that Jesus is coming back. He is going to rapture the church. And after he raptures the church to those that are born again, those that are saved, the Bible says that there's going to be a second coming. He's going to crack heaven wide open. And he's coming back to release judgment on all those who rejected him. And I don't want to be here when it takes place.
and you don't have to either. God, that the fire of God will flow through you that will burn anything out that's not of him. Father God, we pray that you release the Holy Ghost in this place right now. For all those that are in the altar, let them see and feel and know the fire of God. We pray that you open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that they don't have room to Hold on. Holy Spirit, activate. Oh, no. Hold